Well, it's wonderful to see you tonight out in our uh, out gathering together to worship God, and we give you a warm welcome. It's definitely warm in here. I don't know about you, but it's roasting in here. Um, and for those who are joining us online, it's great to have you joining us. We want to worship God um, this evening by starting to sing. We want to sing Psalm number 40. Psalm number 40, I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. We're going to stand and sing this psalm, please. Let us wait upon the Lord. We'll seek His face. Let's pray that we'll hear His voice tonight in this house. O God, our Father, we thank You for the house of God. We thank You for the house of prayer. 
And we know that thou hast commanded and ordered it that your house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. And we rejoice that we're here tonight and we are worshiping you. We thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you through thy own word, through the words of the psalm, inspired words, words of personal testimony. We thank you for the drawing power of God, taking the sinner out of the miry pit of sin and setting that individual upon the rock. That rock is Christ. We thank you for every person here that has experienced the Savior, that has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. For each person here that has set their hope for the future and for eternity upon the rock, standing upon the rock, Christ Jesus. We rejoice that there are no sinking sands when we're in the rock. We rejoice that uh, the ground is sure and firm and certain when we're in the rock. And we thank you for the certainty that Christ does provide. We are uh, deeply aware that in this world there is so much uncertainty, so much strife and bloodshed and evil and wickedness, darkness, men loving darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But we thank you for the privilege that we're on the rock tonight. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And Father, we pray for those that aren't on the rock, those that are cast adrift, that are cut off, that are drifting aimlessly through life without Christ and without a Savior. We pray for their souls tonight. We pray earnestly for their souls that they would be delivered from their present dilemma. And we pray that they would know and understand what that dilemma is, that they are without Christ, that they are without the Lord, that they are without salvation, that they are facing the next moment without a Savior, that they are facing death and eternity without a Savior. They are facing the judgment day without a Savior. Oh, what a terrible plight. And we pray that you would work in the hearts of those that are without Christ, that they would be drawn out of darkness into light. Grant us, we pray, that they might find themselves to be in the solid rock before this meeting is over. Lord, help us to pray and preach for souls tonight. Lord, we pray for the power and for the fullness of your Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Lord, draw near and be merciful. Father, we pray for those that are sick and laid aside once again, those that are infirm, who cannot get out to church, that you would be with them. For all those that have joined us through the live stream, speak through thy word, we plead with you. We pray that thou wouldest undertake for our brethren in the gospel and all faithful servants of thine who proclaim Christ, that you would undertake for the going forth of your word, the sinners might be brought to the Savior. We pray, Father, that thou wouldest undertake for those that are persecuted for the sake of the gospel around the world. Bless our brothers and sisters, and we pray that you would encourage them, keep them safe, bring their days of persecution to an end. We pray for the overthrowing of every wicked regime that would dare touch the Lord's anointed. And we pray that the gospel would have free course in those nations. Lord, we pray that you would continue with us now. Bless us through the ministry of your word and through the singing of these hymns. Bless our brother Andrew as he continues to lead. May all be to your glory. For Christ's sake. Amen. I want to stand and worship God again by singing a hymn this time. Hymn number 205. 
Not have I gotten, but what I received, grace hath bestowed it since I have believed. Boasting excluded, pride I abase, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. The Course goes on to say, only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story. To God be the glory. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. I wonder, is that your story tonight? Are you saved by the grace of God? That's our prayer for you tonight. If you're sitting in here and you are unsaved, you're in your sin, you're, you're walking in the things of this world, our prayer is that this will be your story tonight. That you'll turn from your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this can be your story. And what an amazing story to have, saved by the grace of God through his Son, the Lord Jesus. We'll stand and sing this hymn, please. Hymn 205. I'm going to try something. You always put yourself on the line when you try something a wee bit different. But anyway, we'll not worry too much. Whenever we come to the course the next time, ladies, will you sing the first line, only a sinner saved by grace? And men, we'll sing the second line. Now, I know we have picked the hardest line, men, because it goes way high. All right. But we can do it. No problem. We'll show the ladies how to do it. So ladies, you sing only a sinner saved by grace, the first line, and men, we'll sing the second line, only a sinner saved by grace, and then we'll sing the rest of it together, and let's really lift it up 
in, in the course and sing it out. Because whenever we think of the grace of God and what He has done for us, surely we should be fit to sing with all of our hearts. No matter whether it's totally in tune or not, don't you worry. You sing away. That's what I do. You sing away. And uh, let's worship God um, in the next couple of verses and courses, please. have a scripture reading now at this stage. We'll turn to the Psalm number 40, and we'll read from the verse number 1, the Psalm 40, the verse 1. There's a man one time said to me, he said, when it comes to my funeral, he said, I, I, I don't want you to talk about himself and his life and, and say nice things. He said, I, I just want you to say those words. Here lies a sinner saved by grace. And I suppose, I know he was thinking sometimes things are said at funerals that, that aren't right or lift a person up in the wrong way. And he wanted the tone to be right. And ultimately, that's all any of us are. We're only sinners saved by grace. And that's all we are. But for the grace of God, we'd be nothing. But for the grace of God, would be all lost in hell tonight. But for the grace of God, our lives would be ruined and wasted in the things of this world. Always remember, there before the grace of God go I. Only a sinner saved by grace. Let's read the words of Psalm 40. It's very much a gospel psalm. It's David's personal testimony. 
It's the personal testimony of all of God's people to the chief musician, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Ha, 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 ha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Amen. We know that God will add his own blessing to the reading of his inspired and infallible word. I just want to give you all a warm word of welcome. Really good to see you tonight. Those that have joined us on the live stream, likewise, uh, good that you have been able to join with us, and we trust that each one of our souls, that we are being blessed, and that we will be blessed through the time of worship and ministry this evening. Do please take note of the various announcements for the incoming week. Uh, Keep them, please, before your minds. Pray that God will bless His work, whether it be the work amongst the boys and girls, the young people, or indeed the prayer meeting and Bible study. And do make every effort to get along to the prayer meeting on Wednesday evening. And could elders please remember there will be a meeting afterwards. And do pray for the, uh, the recording tomorrow night that God will help with the uh, proclamation of his word. It's a very different scenario, uh, but it is good that this opportunity exists for let the Bible speak to get God's word out. So pray that God will bless that, please. And those broadcasts, you can see them on Revelation television, uh, which you can pick up on the internet. Um, There are other avenues by which you can pick it up as well. And it's on every Wednesday evening and and every Wednesday morning as well. And you can watch them online as well uh, on uh, Let the Bible Speak TV. So do please pray for the work of Let the Bible Speak. 
Sunday school exams next weekend. Uh, please have your children along at the, the time slot and pray for the boys and girls as they revise their catechisms and scriptures, preparation for the exam, that God will bless his word to their young and tender hearts. And do please keep the various prayer requests before the Lord. We'll hand back to our brother Andrew now. Hymn 203, hymn 203 in, in our books. I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, overwhelmed by guilt within mercy, I did implore. Then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, Christ my Saviour lifted me, now safe am I. Verse 2 tells us, souls in danger look above. Jesus completely saves. He doesn't just partly save us. Uh, he completely saves us. And that is a wonderful thing whenever we think of what that actually means for us, that we're completely saved by the grace and the mercy of our God and through our Lord Jesus Christ, his Son. We're going to stand and sing this hymn, please, hymn 203. Um, whenever we come to the second verse, let's mix it up a wee bit again. The second verse, ladies, will you sing the first half of the verse? Okay, sing down to out of the angry waves, and men, we'll sing the second half of it, and we'll all sing in the chorus. Is that okay? Ladies, the first half, and men, the second half of the second verse, and then we'll all sing the rest of it together, please. Let's stand and worship God. Let's stand.
want to thank Andrew very much for his help leading the meeting tonight. Uh, that was good singing. Really appreciate uh, Andrew's assistance with that. Uh, let us turn to the book of Psalms, and we're going to think about the 40th Psalm, David's testimony. And if there is one verse we can take here that summarizes everything we have in this psalm, it's got to be verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth. Thank you for the revelation of Christ as we would ponder what you would have to say to our hearts tonight. I pray for the enlightenment. I pray for the ability to make known the gospel of truth, to present Christ with clarity, with faithfulness, and with passion. Above all, we pray for the Holy Spirit, that He would be here in filling the preacher and touching the heart of the hearer. And to that end, I take the promised Holy Ghost, the blessed power of Pentecost, to fill me to the uttermost. I take, thank God, He does and will undertake for me. Bless your truth, for Christ's sake. Amen. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. The 40th Psalm is right up there amongst our favorite and most familiar inspired compositions. The words of the song are well known, especially the opening section, the section that we sang earlier in the metrical version. Indeed, the 40th Psalm is as familiar to God's people as the 23rd Psalm is, as the Psalm 121 is. And David here is relating his personal experience with God, how he knew God, how God came and met with him, how God transformed his life. And that's a testimony. Sometimes we have people giving their testimony, relating what the Lord means to them, relating how God answered prayer, relating the path through life that they were led, which brought them eventually to the foot of the cross where they experienced Christ as their Savior. And this is David's testimony. And it's not just David's testimony, but it's the testimony of every child of God. There are three things I want you to think about in relation to David's testimony. There is his salvation, first of all, and then there is his Savior, and then there is his supplication. So let's think about his salvation, first of all. And in these opening verses, the verses 1 through to 5, David describes his salvation. In particular, however, he is describing how God answered his cry, how God responded to the cry. I waited patiently for the Lord, and the Lord inclined unto me. The Lord turned his head, and he bowed down his ear. The Lord turned his heart towards me. That's what he's saying. And he heard my cry. And then he talks about the things that the Lord did in response to his cry. Now, these words certainly are applicable to the person that's not saved, but they also are applicable to the Christian. There are two sets of books that 
If you want to do some study into the Psalms, I would totally recommend. One is C.H. Spurgeon's Treasury of David. It's two volumes, originally published in seven volumes, and he goes through all of the Psalms. And he doesn't just give his own exposition, but he gives lots of quotes from his very extensive library on what all of the various scholars and writers and preachers of the past had to say upon virtually every verse of the book of Psalms. It's, a, it's an amazing set of volumes. And then you have James Montgomery Boyce, and he's a more modern preacher. He has three volumes on the Psalms, and that has enriched my heart and soul as well. Now, in his published sermons, Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, he talks about the various horrible pits that Christians fall into, pits that we need delivered from. And that's part of our testimony as well. You see, a testimony isn't just about the day the Lord saved us. A testimony should be more about what God has done for us since we were saved. Some people's testimony ends the moment they were saved. What has happened since then? That's the real testimony. How God has been leading, guiding, molding, and shaping us. How God has been turning our hearts towards Him, helping us to grow in grace. That's our testimony too. And he talks about the pits that Christians get themselves into that the Lord needs to rescue them from. Because David here talks about this horrible pit that he needed to be brought out of. Some Christians, sadly, end up sinking down into the mud of sin. Temptation set in. Some old addiction gets into that person's life. The sin of covetous turns that person's heart away from the things of God. So that person is consumed with wanting materialism or wanting what others have, what others enjoy, getting eaten up inside because I'm not having the things that others seem to be enjoying, covetousness, idolatry. We don't have to be falling down before idols of wood or stone to be idolaters. There's a lot of idolatry in Christian hearts. In fact, we are told in the, the book of Chronicles that before the Lord can heal the land, then God's people need to be turned from their wicked ways. And the wicked ways that are in all of our hearts, only God knows. And so, the Christian ends up getting into a horrible pit of his own sin, of his own mischievousness, of his own rebellion against God. There's a refusal to confess. There's a refusal to repent. There's a refusal to turn from that sin. And so, that person becomes a backslider. A backslider is someone who's a genuine believer who sadly has got caught up in this horrible pit. And it's not a good place to be in. And if you, dear child of God, are in a horrible pit tonight, well, there's, there's good news here. There's good news. Some get swallowed up by the pit of defeat. Disappointments. We all know what it is to face disappointments. Feel a sense of failure. Perhaps dearly loved plans that gave us great hope for the future have been disrupted. It leaves behind an aftertaste of bitterness in the mind and in the heart. And that's not easy to get out of. Some are languishing in the quicksands of sorrow. Bereavement and grief bring a terrible darkness. A darkness that dominates one's thinking to the 
extent where escape doesn't seem even a remote possibility. Some suffer in the horrible pit of circumstances. And those circumstances may be physical sickness. Those circumstances may be mental anguish. Those circumstances may be a a feeling of guilt. They may be a mindset created by some terrible thing that has happened to you in the past, even in childhood. Something you had no control over you. And yet it has left you with this sense of darkness, of suffering, of anguish that seems to have molded and shaped your entire life. And that's a horrible pit to be in as well. Now, wherever David wrote this, we don't really know what exactly the horrible pit was. He doesn't tell us. Whenever he was being hunted by Saul, that was a horrible pit. Whenever he ended up amongst the Philistines in the company of Achish, king of Gath, and he had to pretend to be a madman to escape getting executed, that too was a pretty horrible pit. And so David had many horrible pits. Absalom, his very son, turned against him. He was forced to flee for his life. That was a horrible pit. There was a horrible pit he was in whenever he committed adultery with Bathsheba. That was a terrible place. And so David was in some terrible pits in his life. But we know this, that he wasn't rescued through his own ideas. He wasn't rescued through his own resolve. He wasn't rescued through his own goodness. He wasn't rescued because he decided one day to turn over a new life and become a better person. It wasn't that that rescued him. It was that God brought him up in response to prayer. He realized there was nothing he could do. Whenever a person's caught in quicksand, the more they struggle, the the more they go down. It's impossible to get out of unless someone throws a lifeline. And if there's someone around to throw the lifeline, the person that's stuck in that pit is going to cry out for help. And if the person doesn't seem to be nearby, the cry will become increasingly louder. Will you help me? Will you save me? And that's exactly what David did because he realized that there was no one who could help him but God. And God heard that cry. And God gave him a way of escape. And so he was brought up from the horrible pit, brought out of the miry clay, and his feet was set upon the rock, and suddenly he was given new purpose. And so if you feel that there's little you can do for God, if you feel weighed down by a sense of failure and disappointment, you cry unto God. He can give you purpose. He can give you a song. What the world does and what sin does, it robs us of our song. But David was given this new song, even praise unto our God. The word patience here is key. He waited patiently for the Lord. He waited patiently. God doesn't answer our prayers in in our time. Our timetable. God's not interested in our timetable. God has his own calendar. We have to depend upon God, cry unto God, but we have to wait patiently. Wait is a great word that the psalmist uses over and over to describe prayer. Prayer being a waiting upon God. When you wait, you have to trust. You have to trust that he knows best. You have to trust that he's got the situation under control. We don't flounder. We don't struggle. We don't try and do what only makes the situation worse. But we wait patiently 
for the Lord. For the Lord to step in, for the Lord to work the situation out. And in the meantime, we pray and we cry and we plead, knowing that he will incline his ear onto us and heard our cry. And that, I think, is a great encouragement for all of God's people. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're burdened with, whatever cares beset you, you wait patiently on the Lord. But there are some who do not know the Lord. There are some who are in that horrible pit of the pit that the sinner, the unconverted sinner is in. That's the darkest pit of all. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're not saved. And you're in this pit. And it's a pit that has no bottom. And you keep going down and down. Further and further away from God and from grace. And it's a pit that eventually... Unless you're rescued by the grace of God as a pit that will swallow you up into the very darkness of hell and its awful infernals forever and ever. Every day without Christ, you sink further down. Every day without Christ, you're closer to hell than you were the day before. Every day without Christ, you're absorbed further and further into the darkness. How long has it been since you first heard the gospel? How long has it been since you were first told that you had to be born again? And yet, you've squandered opportunity after opportunity. I pray tonight that you will not squander this opportunity. You see, the biggest problem is that the sinner doesn't realize that he or she is in that horrible pit. Is that not your trouble? You think all is fine, you think all is well. But all is not fine, all is not well. You're in the pit, you're in the quicksand, the pit of your own sin. You see, there's something we learn here. The sin destroys. Without Christ, you're on a path to destruction. Oh, that every unconverted person could hear this. Sin destroys. Turning away from Christ as your Savior destroys. Living for the pleasure of this world is destructive. The world ruins. It's just a horrible pit. Here, David describes himself as being in this horrible pit, in this miry clay, and sadly, there are many in this place tonight. And there's no escape. There's no escape from such a pit. There's no escape from your sin. And there's only one escape, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And the first thing, surely, you need to do is understand the seriousness of your situation. That you need to cry to the Lord. There's some and they struggle to get out of this pit of sin through trying to be good. It doesn't work. They try their own religion. It doesn't work. There's only one person who'll rescue you from this pit of sin. It's Christ. Christ alone. And there needs to be this cry. Crying unto God to bring you up out of the pit. The prayer of the sinner, you know, it's not a specific form of words. I know whenever I, I point a sinner to the Savior, I'll, I'll talk about words that you can use. Lord, I'm a sinner. I confess my sin. I deserve hell, Lord. Will you save me for Jesus' sake? 
And you could very easily pray those words and, and not be saved. Why? Because it's not in here. It has to be more than just words. But if the words come from a heart that's crying and seeking and pleading, a heart that knows I am going to hell, it doesn't really matter what the words are. Whenever Peter was sinking, he simply said, Lord, save me. That's exactly what a drowning man, a drowning woman would say. Save me. It comes from a heart that no salvation is necessary. And I tell you tonight, salvation is absolutely necessary for you, absolutely essential. You dare not go one more step in life. You dare not enter, leave this church and go out into this evening to get into the car to go home without Jesus. How can you do that? Because you're in the pit and you need rescued. There's only one that can rescue you and that's Jesus Christ. The testimony of the Christian is this. We can look back to that time when the Lord brought us up. The Lord brought us out. The Lord put our feet on solid ground. The Lord gave us a praise. What a happy day it was when Jesus rolled the burden of my sin away when the peace came. What a day it was. That's why David writes here in verse 4, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. The Lord blesses the person that trusts in him. And that's what it is to be saved, to put your faith in Christ. And there's a great blessing that flows from that. He talks about God's kind thoughts towards him. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Here's a man that's living a peaceful life because God has so many kind thoughts towards him, ordering his steps, preserving his life, having a plan for him, guiding him every step of the way. That's the purpose that God gives after drawing us out of that horrible pit. And so that's salvation. David talks about his salvation. Then he talks about his Savior here. And whenever we come to verse 8, he begins talking about Christ. And this little section from verse 6 through to verse 11, while it may have some historic reference to something in David's life, and I think it probably had, yet these words were never fulfilled in David. Everything David writes here from verse 6 to verse 11, it was not completely fulfilled in him. It couldn't have been. What he is writing about here is the Savior. And we know that from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5, 3 to 7, where the Apostle Paul actually quotes from the Psalm 40. And he says, Wherefore, when he that is Jesus cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O my God. And David makes it very clear, or Paul makes it very clear there that David is writing about, about Jesus. You see, there is salvation, but there is the Savior. It is important always to remember who the one is that saves us. 
and what he does. There's a few highlights here that show us who Jesus is. Who is he? We have his personal offering. Those words in verse 6, sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened, burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. The Lord didn't come to offer a lamb. He was the lamb. He didn't come to offer a sacrifice upon the brazen altar at the temple. He was a sacrifice. He came to offer himself. Christ was given a body. The Father prepared a body for Jesus in order that that body might be crucified for you and for me. That's why he was born of Mary. That's why he became that man, that perfect man, that that perfect body would be presented on Calvary's cross. He literally went into the horrible pit for us because the cross was a, a place of darkness and suffering. And he went into that place for us that we might be brought out. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. Seal my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a savior. We have his personal offering here. But we have his unflinching obedience. Here as well. Notice what we read in verse 7. Then said I, lo I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. Christ's heart was absolutely inclined to following his Father's will. He was obedient to the law. Through all of his 33 years, he never transgressed one part of the law. Not an act, not indeed. Not with his hands, not with his feet, not with his words, not even with his mind, not even with his attitude, not even with his heart. He was absolutely pure. He was obedient to his Father, fulfilling the Father's will. And that was the only way by which we could be saved. Our Savior found great satisfaction serving his Father. He delighted in the Father's will. Look at verse 8. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. The will of God was his delight, particularly the prospect of bringing many sons to glory for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He faced the cross because he delighted. One day there'll be a people gathered around that throne of God above with him. That thrilled his soul. Therefore he took the cross for us. Christ was a preacher. Verses 9 through to 10 talk about the public ministry. David, no doubt, did preach righteousness, but Christ was the greatest preacher of all. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Although I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. Whether among the doctors of the law at 12 years of age, whether it was in picturesque Galilee with the shimmering sea behind him, or whether it was within the precincts of the temple in Jerusalem, he taught truth 
whether he spoke to assembled multitudes, as he did when he spoke to the people in Galilee, and there was that vast number they had to be fed, or whether it was to Nicodemus there on his own, or that woman at the well. He was faithful to truth. He presented truth, but he did so with appeal. He did so with authority. The people could listen to him. His words were great in terms of eloquence, of knowledge, of wisdom, of goodness. He had insights that no mortal ever had. He knew what was in man. He knew the hearts of his hearers and of his listeners. He knew what they were thinking. And therefore, when he spoke, the people were amazed and were joyful. Never man spoke like this man. There never was and never will be a preacher quite like Jesus Christ. He could take the sower sowing the seed. He could take the shepherd leading out the flock. He could take a businessman that had this rare jewel of great value. He could take the woman that had lost those coins. He could take the man that had lost the one sheep. And he could take all of those stories and he could blend truth. He could teach truth. And the people listened and they were challenged and they were taught because he was the preacher who did not hide his righteousness within his heart. Do you see that? Verse 10, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. And today this ministry of Christ continues. His precious words sound forth. Whenever we come to church and read the Scriptures, whenever you hear the Word of God being taught, whenever you hear the Gospel being proclaimed, this is Christ continuing His ministry through His Spirit, through His servants whom He calls and sends forth. And this work has been continuing right through this Lord's Day all over the world. The truth is still going out there. Christ, the great prophet, is still proclaiming His truth. Whenever you hear the Word of God, there's one thing you must do. You must surrender yourself to the Word. You dare not listen to the Word and just leave it there. You dare not squander the Word. You dare not let the opportunity slip through your fingers because that opportunity may never come again. And as you hear Christ talking to you through His Word, what will you do? One third thought before we finish. It is David's supplication. The psalm begins with a look back. David talks about being brought up from a horrible pit. He's talking about something that's happened in the past. But the psalm ends with a look forward. Because he was in a predicament as he normally was when he wrote various psalms. He's come to verse 11 and he's saying, Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Obviously, he's, he's in some kind of problem. He wants God to be merciful to him. He's talking in verse 12 about innumerable evils compassing him about. He's talking about his own sins that have got him into problems. And they're more than the hairs of his head. His heart is failing. And then he says in verse 13, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. You've been there for me in the past. Will you be there for me again? Will you deal with those that oppose me, who laugh at me, who mock me? But then he comes in verse 17 to this beautiful little phrase that 
I often marvel at. Perhaps an overlooked verse in the Psalm 40. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. People forget. Somebody says, I'm thinking about you. They'll probably forget you at some stage. That's life. We should be realistic about that. We've done it ourselves. We haven't prayed for people we ought to be praying for. Because we're human. But in our poverty and in our need, the Lord thinks. It doesn't matter if we're forgotten by people. It doesn't matter if people break their promises and let us down. That doesn't matter. The Lord thinketh upon me. How precious the child of God is in the eyes of the Lord. If there is a reason for trusting the Lord, this is the reason. This is the God who saves. This is the God who never fails. This is the God who loves us continually, whose care is much more than we ever deserve. I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. And that's the real message of the 40th Psalm. God never fails. Have you put your faith in this unfailing God? Life is a failure. Life ends in failure. That's why we're going to die. But yet, across the river, there's the eternal city. A place that God has prepared for those that know Him and love Him. Built with the precious blood of Christ. And that's what the Lord provides for His people whom He thinks upon. Are you trusting Him tonight? Have you cried unto Him for salvation? When all is said and done, this is all that matters. Have you a testimony? Have you a relationship with God? Let us pray. You're here without Christ this evening. You're watching on the live stream. You don't know the Lord. What will you do with Jesus Christ? Will you come to him now? You bow your head where you're at. And you cry, Lord, save me. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm in that horrible pit. Maybe you're backslidden. I'm a backslider. I'm in that horrible pit. Lord, restore me. Lord, save me. Lord, be merciful. Will you do that, dear friend? Don't let the moment slip. The opportunity pass away. Come to the Savior and make no delay. And God's word promises that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can leave this place saved tonight. Father in heaven, write your word upon every heart for Christ's sake. Amen. Let us sing this closing hymn. There is a story sweet to hear. I love to tell it too. It fills my heart with hope and cheer. Tis old, yet ever new. To stand.
Father, part us from this place with your blessing. Be with us this week in all that we do. Maybe do it as unto thee. For your glory alone, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be your abiding portion now and evermore. Amen.